I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, this is Kristen Sunanto Walker and I am here with someone up in Canada. We have so many Canadians fabulous that are joining our network and uh, that also are coming on as guests. So I love that. His name is Jean-Guy Poyer and the title after his name on his email says PTSD, the truth behind the smile. So, Jean-Guy, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Thank you for having me, Kristen. It's great. So tell our listeners, you you know, you've got a diverse background, and you actually, I want you to tell them, too, how you found out about us, because um, it's from one of our other wonderful podcasters. And then mm-hmm. please give them an idea of what your background is. Okay. Well, I'm 41 years old. I was born and raised in Cornwall, Ontario, which is, um, to give you guys an idea where that is, I was probably about about an hour between Ottawa and Montreal. So my background um, was is mostly French, being uh, my family is French, my both sides of my family. So I grew up um, going to a French school, um, as we like to call immersion back then. But uh, it is a French school. I went there up until uh, college. I lead a pretty, led a pretty normal life, pretty relaxed life. There wasn't uh, wasn't a lot of money at home, so we kind of uh, you know found our own things to do and enjoyed ourselves with our friends and uh i became uh would you say it was it was a rural area uh no it was a city definitely city okay. yeah, just a smaller city okay. between ottawa and montreal yeah so okay. about gotcha. uh, 20 minutes from the quebec border so it kind of gives us you know, where we are and uh grew up there uh went to college whenever i was 20 and uh did some computer programming and some computer science while i was there and I met a great girl while I was there, who I ended up marrying. Moved mm-hmm. back to you. the Stafford area, which is about, uh, we're about an hour from Toronto, an hour west of Toronto now. And uh, moved up here. We uh, started our little life together up here in a small town called Shakespeare. She's originally from here. Um, we're no longer together, but I mean, we, we parted on good ways. So we, uh, so okay. we, I had some kids, you know, we had a boy, you know, in 2005, um, I started working back in early 2000. Once we finally moved, I was working for a local, uh, building and supply store there. And I'd been there a few years 
And then I was approached uh, back in 2005 by the deputy chief of the, the fire department. And at that time, he asked me, you know, is this something that you'd be willing to do? Well, I said, well, I never really gave it too much thought. You know, I did some St. John Ambulance work. and I did some different things back home, but never uh, never to, th to this extent. So I was, uh, I was happy at the time, but I was a little more confused and concerned because I didn't know what exactly I was getting into. <laughs> right, um, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I spent, uh, like I said, I had a boy in 2005. Uh, we spent, uh, I spent 11 years there on the fire department. I, uh, all the while uh, living in Shakespeare, working in Shakespeare as well. I, I uh, had another boy in 2009 and uh, in 2016, uh, I felt as though things were kind of drifting apart. I felt as though, I mean, with the fire department, I felt as though things were changing. I couldn't really nail it down. I just knew that, uh, Either A, I wasn't fitting in, or B, this wasn't the place for me anymore. Um, so I decided okay. that uh, it'd probably be wise if I left. Be known to anyone else. I, uh, I didn't, really, didn't really let anybody in on my little secret. I uh, spent the whole month of December deciding what I was going to do. And it come January, I kind of dropped the ball on everybody and told them that I was quitting and I was resigning. Then the backlash began to start, be began because I got a lot of, uh, well, why didn't you talk to people? Why didn't you talk to me? Why didn't you talk to the chief? And I looked at it as though, you know what, as much as I didn't know what was happening at the time, I knew that I didn't want anybody to sway my decision. I knew that something wasn't feeling right. I knew that I, I had to leave there or else it okay. would either get worse or nothing was going to get better from there. Things began to get, you know, bit worse. I uh, developed a bit more of an anger, a bit more of a short fuse. I kind of chalked it up to, you know, having two young boys running around the house and thought maybe, you know, that's about it. Maybe that's all it is. And uh, it wasn't until um, winter of 2016 after being resigned for, you know, nine months. It just clicked one day. I was on my way to work and uh, I'd had a kind of a crappy morning sending off the kids to school and I uh, got to work and it just clicked. Something just told me that something wasn't right. Something had to be done and I wasn't myself anymore. So I made an appointment with the doctors, my GP in town, and uh, she kind of um, all but told me what she thought was wrong, but uh, wanted to get me into a, uh, a mental health professional so that we could, you know, nail it down a little better and uh that took a few months because uh as you probably know they're not they're few and far between mental health professionals and uh, you got to sit and wait your right. turn and uh by may of 2017 i got in to see my mental health professional and at that time i was diagnosed with ptsd in may of 2017 and uh it's been a journey and uh, there's been a lot going on i can get into a little bit of that later but uh that's kind of where we stand now. We're still on the journey, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's so a tough go for sure. What, what, when you say you know you you first started to know that something was not right, what is what does that mean? Um, our listeners are you know a lot of people that are in the same position as you, and also um, providers of mental health services. So examples are really great so what okay. is it that you were feeling or thinking that that lets you realize something's not right yep um my temper definitely became to be a big part of it um i had a short fuse i couldn't couldn't stay calm a lot of times and uh 
the second thing I started noticing that, that became very frustrating was the, my memory in my mind. I couldn't, I couldn't stay on task. It was harder to focus. I wasn't remembering things very well. And that kind of added to the, to the anger. And I thought, well, maybe I ain't just angry. Maybe I'm not just angry. Maybe there is something else here. And uh, okay. as much as I thought, maybe I just wasn't paying attention to people because that was the last thing I was hoping. But um, unfortunately, this was nothing that I, that I could control. This was my memory starting to slip as part of the, you know, as part of the numbing, as part of the blocking of PTSD. And didn't realize that at the time until I spoke to my doctor. But for sure, definitely. Uh, so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that that started to happen. And did you have other people telling you, hey, what's going on with your memory or what's the deal with your short fuse? Like, did you have people sort of mirroring what you were thinking inside your head? I did, yes. Uh, mainly my wife at the time was uh, was calling me, calling me out on it, you know, saying, you know, you're a lot more angry, a lot more short. You know, why, why can't you remember things? And. As much as I chalked it up to, and I, I just said, oh, I, I'm just forgetting, and I can't. But other than outside of the house, no, no many people were really noticing, I don't think. Not at that point. I was keeping it pretty well hidden. Okay. Unfortunately, I was drowning everybody in the house, but I was keeping it pretty well hidden from the outside world, for sure. And what do you think made it, what was the tipping point for you to then be able to talk about this with that first, you know, doctor? Um, that said you have PTSD. It was easier to talk to her and, and come out because I, at that point, as of May of 17, things were really, my symptoms were really starting to, um, were really starting to take over. The, the anxiety, um, the depression spikes off and on, the, um, the anger, the uh, feeling loneliness, feeling um, overwhelmed by anything that I was doing. And, in order to even just to get the kids to, to school in the morning, you know, to get two boys ready for school as much as, you know, it should have been a piece of cake. It was always, there was always something that I was short about or wasn't happy about. And uh, unfortunately taking it out on them at the time. And uh, that was, uh, those were, I, I would say the anger definitely was, was the key, was a key trigger at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Did you ever have this, you know, in childhood or there were there things in childhood that, you know, you've uncovered that maybe this started earlier than, than what you thought and you had maybe blocked it out? Or was this something that literally happened as an adult? No, I, it did, actually, it did come out as an adult, I would say. I mean, I did have some, you know, some small issues as a child and then I lost a good friend at 17 to a, a drunk driver. So there was... There was some issues here and there, but uh, those were issues that I thought that I was kind of, you know, dealing with and putting away. And I never thought that they'd okay. come back. And uh, they only really come back to haunt me once uh, once being on the fire department for a little while, things started to become a little more cumulative and adding on and adding on. And I mean, as you and I both know, I mean, the, the fire service, or let's call it the volunteer fire service at best, um, very tough to... Uh, to, no, I'm going to say tough to get the help you need, but it's it's not always available. It's a, it could sometimes be a cowboy mentality. Let's put it that way. And it was oh, either, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, suck it up, keep going, or uh, maybe this isn't right for you. You know, so everybody kind of yeah. kept their head above water, whether or not they were feeling, you know, miserable or not. They were still doing their job. They might have been going home and taking that on their wife or being miserable and, you know, 
anger, whichever it was, right. but uh, Our people were still abuse. doing the work. Yeah. 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 Let's, uh, right. let's face it. I mean, the, yeah, the best way that we dealt with things on the fire department, and I know police do it as well, was, you know, sit down, let's have a few beers and we should be good by the time you go home. Yep. You know? Yeah. Exactly. We all know that's not the right and route. All that does is bury things. So. <laughs> yeah. And it, it adds to it, but I've, I've interviewed so many first responders and they all say the same thing. So mm -hmm. how did you end up getting um, introduced to or finding out about Tima and Sean Conahan? Well, I was searching online and that's how I came across Tima. I was mentioned to Tima as well through Badge of Life Canada. They introduced me to Tima when we were up there. And at that point, Tima was, was even at that point, was a very large organization. And I didn't know how to quite nail it down. And uh, I was introduced to Sean basically through Facebook Messenger. He was uh, he was working over or chatting with uh, another one of our friends, Carl, on uh, PTSD Bunker Gear for Your Brain. And I uh, caught a hold of Sean there. And he caught one of my shows. And then uh, I met up with Sean online and I said, Hey, we, maybe we should collaborate, you know, do something together. And he said, well, I could be more than welcome to have you on my show. So that's kind of how things got going with him and I rolled from there. <laughs> yeah. Just rolled from there. I know. I know no one likes commercials, but seriously folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. So in terms of your determining that it's PTSD and then getting the therapeutic treatment that you need, for this, where is it? What's the direction that your life go, is going in now? Because uh, I know that it's in advocacy, but tell our listeners, you know, from your own your own mm -hmm. words, what that is and what that means to you, and if and if, and I imagine it has helped you. Okay, so um, advocacy means to me um, as much as I can help others, and as much as you know, they're helping. I'm helping them. They're helping me at the same time. Because as I've come to learn, which I thought was a bit of a hoax at the beginning, but uh, talk therapy seems to be the way to go. Um, I could take all the meds, I can do all the yoga, I can do all the meditation, but at the day's end, if you find somebody that you can connect with and talk to them, then definitely that is the way to go. And um, I use my platform on Facebook uh, to do the same thing. You know, the amount of followers I have, I've got a small community of real close friends on there that. Uh, you know, I can speak to, I can speak to them in my group, in my uh, private group on Facebook. And we, you know, we work together. We were, we've all been either in one, in somebody's shoes or the others. So we can kind of relate. Um, I still consider myself kind of early in my journey, being only diagnosed a year ago. But um, I feel as though in that past year, definitely my, definitely pouring my time and my, and my work into my Facebook page has definitely helped my recovery. 
for sure. And it's starting to just, yeah. it's starting now to just come to a, a realization that, you know, all the hard work is eventually starting to pay off and uh, yeah, getting right. the voices out there and getting the word out there and hopefully uh, yeah, help people at the same time. And I, the, the, the difficult part, like I've spoken to um, Sean about the difficult part with that is as much as you try to help other people, you have to be very weary of not triggering yourself because yes. if you can't, if you can't hold back and not trigger yourself, you're not going to help anybody. But I mean, right. if you're not well exactly. either, then you can't help anybody. So it's, it's kind of a catch them too. Yeah. It's an interesting road. I know because our show's grown a lot, obviously. And we, mm-hmm. um, you know, now the amount of the volume of people that come in and I know I can tell pretty much where someone's at and then I have people that are actually trained clinicians that help too but just by reading what someone writes and I can tell if they're at the stage where they just need to purge Mm -hmm. and um, that can be triggering and Mm -hmm. sometimes I yeah I have to go okay I can't read all of this because this this is going to derail me for a a day or (laughs) but you know we we've pass it on to to others so just for our listeners out there that does that is what happens when you're in advocacy Mm -hmm. just because you're in advocacy does not mean that you have your all your stuff together and you've somehow made it we're in this too and so yeah some of the stuff that we get can be triggering for us and it doesn't mean that we're ignoring you or we don't care it's just that imagine the volume that we get (laughs) yeah yeah for sure and it's 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 overwhelming at times, but you know you gotta you gotta take a step back, and you gotta take a step back when it's important. And before you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's you know you know you look out for number one. And as much as you, you know, I mean, as long as as much as the fireman in me, you know, says help, 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 help. Well, I know what that did right. over eleven years, helping everybody else, and then turning around and going, okay, I'm damaged. You know, I'm I'm yeah, beat, last. worn out. I, I'm done. You know, I'm last, and now here I am. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely difficult. It's definitely a difficult journey trying to advocate and and get through your journey at the same time. Yeah, and and you know it does help. It also can be ex- extremely helpful. The best thing I've ever done in my own mental health um, and my mental well-being is to be of service to others, mm-hmm. while also balancing that with my tendency to enable and mm-hmm. <laughs> my tendency to put myself last. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a really wonderful walk, and you learn as you go, and you grow, and you evolve um, as you go through this journey. And you're walking it with the people that are coming to you for help. You're still yeah. walking your own journey. You are, you are, and and uh, when I do my Facebook lives, I you know I try to iterate that you know time after time, saying you know this is this is just how I'm feeling. I'm going through the journey just like you or I, you know, you and I are. I said I. I may not be where you're at, but I mean, I probably was where you're at at one point and I can tell you how I've dealt with it. I can tell you how I feel. And hopefully that maybe, you know, if you take a minute from what I say, you take a minute from Carl, you make a minute from Sean and hopefully everybody, you know, everybody can kind of come together with enough information that they can, they got to remember they're not alone. I know when I started my journey, I was like, crap, this is just me. This is all me. How am I going to do this? You know? It's very overwhelming. I'm crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm, yeah. 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 It is. Yep. 
And also, too, something I've learned, and you probably have, too, once you get into that advocate space where you are helping others, is um, sometimes people are shocked when I Mm -hmm. say, yeah, I'm having a down day. And I always, you know, I try to educate them. I never said I had all my stuff together. I have down days, too. I struggle, too. So please don't put me on some kind of pedestal that I've got it all together and I'm some wise sage. Sometimes I can be just like we all can be, but that doesn't mean that I don't have my days where I also am like, what am I doing? I'm crazy. I have all these issues. You know, that stuff happens to all of us. And I I tell my my listeners, yeah, I tell my listeners the same thing. I say, look, you see me online, you see me on Facebook, you see me out and about. Those are my good days. I said, when I'm having a bad day, I, 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 unfortunately I still isolate. I, I don't want anybody to see my bad days. I know how to get out of them, you know, and to, you know, to go online, having a bad day. I've I've only ever missed one show in 10 months. And that was because Mm -hmm. I was having a really bad day. But the funny thing is you always know who's watching because within about half an hour of canceling that show, I had about five or six people in my network call me and say, are you all right? Are you okay? You canceled your show, you know? And you know, you, you know, the people that are watching, You, you can tell the people that are expecting it and the people that go, wait a minute. We've been there. Why isn't he on? You know, because we yeah. all have bad days. Yeah, and like absolutely. I said, some days we can hide it and stay inside. Like I, my bad days usually consist of either, you know, resting, watching some TV, you know, cleaning around the house, you know, my good days I'm out walking. And it's funny because people say to me, Oh, you look pretty good all the time. Well, it's because you see me out. I'm not out if I'm having a bad day because I don't run into somebody and be, I don't want to be a jerk or I don't want to be, you know, upset. So right. I just stay away. Right. I, I remove myself from any situation that could make my bad day worse. So how do you deal with because we, we just did a show and we have another podcaster on the network that talks all about social media and its effects on mental health, good and bad. And mm-hmm. um, we did a, a webcast yesterday about getting addicted to it. And the way I feel about it, it it's a great platform to reach more people. And if you're an advocate, just like you, you know, Facebook is. A great platform to do that and to help mm-hmm. but I I don't sugarcoat my posts I will post when I'm happy and I will post when things aren't so hot either um, because I feel like I want to you know I want to get beyond the whole let's only post happiness because that yes. isn't really anybody's everyday yeah. life no and I agree and I do the same thing I I, I like to post some good content. I like to post some um, some unhappy content. I kind of, and I don't base it on the day how I'm feeling. I base it on, well, you know what? Everybody has different days. So let's put a little bit of different stuff out there every day so that I can accompany everybody and not everybody feels as though, okay, great. Everybody's having a happy day. Look at Zhang-Gi. He just put a big happy post, you know, but I kind of, I kind of like to keep an even keel, you know, happy, you know, <laughs> some things are happening in our government right now or veteran affairs where they are, they are basically taking the two steps that we finally took forward with legislation and just kind of pushing us back. And, you know, you do this work and this work and this work and you, you look at something that, you know, of a government of power goes and does something. You've got little guys like us that are out there just busting our ass to get the word out there. And then the government goes and does something crazy, I guess we'll call it completely down. Yeah. And, and you go, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing this for? And it, and it goes along with the, with people, you know, dying by suicide, you know, you, at some point, right. you know, I thought to myself a month ago, I said, are, are we really, 
is when's it going to come a time that we're saturating the internet with our podcasts and with our Facebook lives and with our, and then, you know what I hear the next day of two more people died by suicide. I'm like, well, it's not saturated enough. Obviously we right. need more and we need more people like us that are doing, everybody's doing something a little bit differently. And that's what we need because yep. somebody may not get it from me, but they may get it from you. So exactly. everybody needs to work together. Right. That's the best part of the advocacy pie. It's a pie that has enough slices for everybody. That's right. That's right. And at the end, the better. hope that you've got a piece for yourself <laughs> so that you can get it. Right, exactly. P-E-A-C-E. -E. Sure. Yes, That's and, right. And P-I-E-C. Exactly. That's right. Sure. Well, <laughs> I'm so glad you reached out and we got to do this interview. I definitely want to introduce you to um, Stephen Kabalkovich, who hosts Rescue the Rescuer. He's, yeah. he's kind of in charge of our first responder mental health and addiction part of the network. And um, you'd be great for his show. But cool. hopefully you'll come back on mine. And please tell our listeners you know, where they can find out more about you. Definitely, definitely. I basically keep on one platform right now. So I'm doing uh, basically it's all Facebook. I do, like I said, I do two Facebook live shows a week. I do a YouTube segment as well, which airs on my page as well as um, uh, Bunker Gear for Your Brain, which is a local here guy in Cambridge, Carl Waggett. And uh, you can find me anywhere. You can message me on my Facebook page, as we mentioned beginning, PTSD, the truth behind the smile. I'm always there. I'm always open. Yeah. If I don't answer, chances are I'm probably actually getting some sleep, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> which is a but really yeah. good thing when you have PTSD. Really I know thing. firsthand, yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's for not sure. laziness. It's called your body is healing. That's right. I'm healing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for another edition of Mental Health News Radio. I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.